0: Welcome to the Game Day Tailgate Show with Bleck and Abdallah, Bleck and Abdallah. on the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago.
1: Week 11 in the NFL, Bears and Lions coming up at noon right here on ESPN 1000. Joniak and Thayer will have the call of the game. Your home for Bears football is ESPN Chicago. All right, Abdallah, the Bears are 3-7. The Lions are 7-2. Big matchup for the Bears on the road in Detroit. And Justin Fields returns today. This is it,
2: man. This is it. It all starts today. You got seven games. I'm talking to Justin. I'm not talking to you. You've got a lot of time, I would assume. (laughs) Fields has seven games to figure this out. Otherwise, you're looking at... A guy who wouldn't meet the media yesterday in Caleb Williams after their loss to UCLA. You're looking at Bo Nix, who put up six touchdowns in the first half yesterday. You're looking at Penix, who's making great throws yesterday to lead his team against Oregon State on the road. in a great win for Washington. Drake May, losing to Clemson. Today it starts. It's more beneficial for the Bears if Justin Fields goes out there and plays well. Now, again, this is a pun intended different animal in the Lions that they're going to face. This is one of the top five teams in the NFL, hands down.
1: Well, for years, as Bears fans, we entered these matchups looking for victories. Uh, It's been the way of life as a Bears fan. Even when our Bears teams aren't great, we've always had the joke of, well, at least we're not the Lions yeah. Uh, this year, it's different. You 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 said it. it. It's a different animal that they're facing now because, you know, the one thing that I've seen, and, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, uh, for those of us here in the Midwest that have friends from Michigan, from Detroit, who are Lions fans, this is the most excited this fan base has ever been oh, yeah. for one of their teams. Easily. This is the storyline of the NFL season is can the Lions get to a Super Bowl? And right now, at 7-2, and two, they have just as good of a shot as anyone in the NFC, and they control the division. Here's the one thing that I thought was interesting, though. To this point, they have such a lead on the Vikings and the Packers and, of course, the Bears because the Bears haven't played well to this season. They've, they've only won three games. The Lions have the majority of their division games from here on out. They've only played one division game to this point. So, theoretically, if someone wants to take the division – Beat the Lions. Yeah. It, it's in front of you. Go mm-hmm. for it. You could. Now, the Lions to this point have been great. And like you mentioned, they're one of the five best teams in the NFL. I totally agree with you. Uh, we feature a segment on Black Dollar from six to eight weeknights uh, once a week called Five Up, Five Down. And we look at the five best teams in the NFL and the five worst teams. And this week, we both have the Lions squarely in the top five. Oh, I yeah. believe we both had them as uh, I had them at four. You had them, I think, at three, right? Yeah, I had them.
2: Uh, I had them at four. Five, I think. Okay, so they're both top five. We both
1: had them as top five teams, and and they've kind of teetered on on the brink of top five throughout this season. And I think the way the quality of wins, and I thought last week going on the road and winning a shootout is a different style than what they've won in previous weeks. And I think that's where you have to tip the cap and say, like, hey, this team is really good. And, you know, we can doubt the quarterback and Jared Goff, but essentially this Lions team, On both the defensive and the offensive lines, they control the game. And I think that's where, as a Bears fan heading into this matchup today, I'm nervous because we've seen this Bears offensive line get pushed back. We've seen this offensive line uh, have penalties. We've seen this offensive line not create time for the quarterback to throw. And you're going to get Nate Davis back today. Tevin Jenkins is going to bounce back to his original spot on the line. Cody Whitehair is benched. And, and hopefully this Bears offensive line can piece something together. But this Lions defense is going to be coming after Justin Fields today. And this is where Justin now needs to rise to the occasion and show us something that we don't think that he can do.
2: Well, not only that, but it's a it's going to be on him especially because the way this defense stops the run. Like their fourth best defense defense against the run in yards per play. So yeah, it's cool that you get your running back room is is healthy again. The offensive line is the best that it's been and the healthiest that it's been in a while. But this is going to be on Justin because they're not as good. They're like 20th 21st against the pass in yards per game. So I have a feeling that this is going to be on Justin Fields uh, to kind of put this team on his shoulders once again and not with his legs like you've been off for a month. You've had four games to sit there. And watch and kind of see this offense through a different lens. You know, with a different quarterback running essentially the same offense. Like, yeah, they might tweak a few things to fit Bajent. Or maybe they run certain things or don't run certain things for him. But this is now your time to prove yourself that you want to be here. Not only that, like, that you're a top quarterback. Like, that you can be, that you can play in this league. Because I'm sure that someone, if he's not here someone will trade for him and he might go on to play somewhere else but like if you want the franchise money here like this is it you know this is where it starts and this lions team not only the team but you mentioned the fans and the hostile environment this is the 11th most penalized team in the league the bears and going into that environment where it's going to be loud and the bears literally false started while taking a victory formation in their last game against the Panthers. Like, it's going to be on this offensive line who hasn't played a lot together to have the communication and, for God's sake, not put this offense behind the eight ball. Because the false starts, all that kind of stuff. If you're 1st and 15, if you're 1st and 20 against this Lions team, you're done. It's over.
1: Yeah, and that, that's where the Bears run game, like you mentioned. They need to keep it into manageable situations for the quarterback coming back for the first time in a month. So uh, to the quarterback, uh, this morning, if you're just waking up, you're you're joining us, you're getting ready for Bears football today. There is news uh, today, and it comes from Ian Rappaport from NFL.com. He has a piece that's up that was posted at like 5 a.m. this morning talking about the Chicago Bears and their multi-pronged evaluation of their quarterback uh, heading into the 2024 draft this offseason. So it talks about Justin Fields. It talks about the final seven games here, how Justin has an opportunity to show the Chicago Bears that he's the guy for the job. And then this this is uh, what I think is important from the piece. Rappaport writes, the Bears face a similar scenario as past March last March, as they opted to trade the number one pick in the 2023 NFL draft to the Panthers for DJ Moore, multiple picks, uh, giving fields at least one more year and giving themselves more resources to build an infrastructure with. Chicago needed to be blown away by a quarterback to select one in the 2023 draft instead of trading the pick. Sources say it's the same view heading into 2024. Did you hear that Bears fans Mm. that the Bears needed to be blown away by a quarterback last year's draft process and that sources are telling Ian Rappaport that it's the same view heading into 2024. He goes on to say the Bears would need to be blown away by a rookie QB to move on from fields three years after selecting him 11th in the 2021 draft. Sources say uh, sources offer that the into the decision that noting that this year's roster is stronger, more developed than last year's. So, in other words, it presents a better opportunity to give a fair evaluation of Justin Fields. So, Adam, when you see this and sources are telling Ian Rappaport this morning that the Bears are in a scenario where they could have the number one pick, which they, they have from Carolina and they can still win games here and not ruin that. What do you think of that? And I wonder what Bears fans think of it. If Ryan Poles is going into this without the idea that, yeah, we're going to draft a quarterback no matter what, because we need to get this position right. Essentially saying we have to be blown away Mm -hmm. to make the decision to bring in another quarterback and we're going to go with Justin Fields. I I think that's notable for me and Rappaport this morning.
2: Well, I think it's interesting because, Given what's gone on in college football this year, right? Like last year, Bryce Young was good. He was very good. He was the first pick. He was fine. Last year in college football, he was good. He had good stats. It was the offensive line and the wide receivers that were bad for and the defense that was not good for Alabama that kept them out of the playoff.
1: I would argue to this point last season, Bryce Young was a better quarterback than what we've seen on the field in college football this year. So
2: that's my point is that Bryce Young was good. He was fine. C.J. Stroud was okay; Like he wasn't blowing anybody away. Obviously, no one was like, hey, you got to take C.J. Stroud. Can't miss generational talent, right? And then you've got Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, who was just who didn't really, you know, make his way up onto the draft board until they got to the combine. Um, But this year, everyone was supposed to be blown away by a guy who has now lost five five games this year. USC went one in five to end the season. Okay, so one in five to end the season. He hasn't really impressed either. Like. He's put up some gaudy numbers in games, right? But for the most part, once the competition got to the point where you're looking at the Utahs, the Oregons, the uh, UCLA's yesterday defense is pretty good. He looks pretty pedestrian. He didn't look like the world beater. And you've been saying for months, frontrunner style quarterback, where if everything's going right, he's all smiles and puppies and kisses on the sideline. But when things are going poorly, like yesterday, you saw him... Those those are the tears from last week. Well, yeah. You saw him pouting on the sideline after he threw an interception. Yep. Uh, Obviously, the wide receiver fumble is not his fault. But he played poorly in the first quarter and in the first half. And, okay, he's got some good throws. Okay? Okay. But the generational talent that we were supposed to be blown away by, the hands-down Heisman favorite to start the year after winning last year, to repeat as a Heisman winner, has completely fallen off. And I I think the Bears should be impressed by certain quarterbacks. Michael Penix has played insanely well. He's often injured, so I would stay away from him. Bo Nix has played out of his mind the last few weeks. And then you've got, you know who's tied for first right now in Heisman voting? It's Jaden Daniels. Well, they haven't voted on the Heisman. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. In odds. In odds is what I mean. Tied in odds for number one right now. It's Bonix is plus 120. Jaden Daniels is plus 120. the same. Like, I'm not saying take Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels has had a great season. He's had a great season. So there's better talent to me this year than there is last year. So what it means to me is they need to absolutely be blown away. I think there are QBs in this draft that could blow you away. I don't know if their name is Caleb Williams. But it might be someone else. Well, if you go back to
1: last season, Bryce Young threw 32 touchdowns and five interceptions for the Crimson Tide. I that That's a really good season. If you put those numbers up compared to the others, now Bo Nix has a better uh, situation, 35 touchdowns, two interceptions. Mm-hmm. Michael Penix, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Caleb Williams, 30 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. And Drake May, 22 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Those are essentially the the major players here in this conversation. J.J. Yeah. McCarthy in the last couple of weeks has really fallen off yeah. uh, the same pace as the others. Not saying that he can't be great someday, but he's not putting up the same stats that the other four are. No. And, and then when you mix in Jade, Jane, Daniels, 36 touchdowns, four interceptions, it's pretty spectacular as well. And I mean, I think that goes back to the whole conversation of college football. You and I point out each and every year that there's September talk that doesn't materialize into anything. That's why you don't listen to the, to the, uh, the achos of the world on the, on the speak on FS one <laughs> telling you that, that Coach Prime, and the Buffs, are going to the national championship when they haven't played anyone in the month of September. It's not legitimate because what you see is a beatdown on Friday night where Colorado got run off the field in the Palouse against yeah. the Cougars. Like, Like, it's not... Like you have to always take into context what you see in college football in September. In September, there were shows at nauseum talking about Caleb Williams being the next Patrick Mahomes. He is not. Mm-hmm. Now, could he be a very, very good quarterback in the NFL someday? I think he can be. The problem is he is ve- he has a very high uh, ego, and he thinks he is the best player in college football. Unfortunately, this season he didn't play like that. And as you mentioned, I pointed out from the start, let's see how the season goes. Let's see how he plays. Let's see how he handles adversity. You know how he handled adversity? He didn't talk to the media twice after losses this season. You know how he handled adversity? When they got down, he pouted. You know how he handled adversity? He threw more picks than he did last year, and he turned the ball over, and he was sloppy with the football in the pocket. That's exactly how we kind of saw it happening. And, yes, USC is terrible, and we can save that for the Monday or the the Tuesday show here on Blocking Abdallah, but... Like They have much bigger problems than just Caleb Williams, but he is not a franchise changer. Like He's the type of guy that I think if he goes to a really bad situation, things are going to get bad. I don't think he's the guy that shows up to a really bad situation and makes everyone else better because he's like, guys, let's roll up our sleeves and let's get to work. Let's get this done. He's a front runner. That's what he is. Mm -hmm. It's how he showed up in Southern California. It's how it worked last season. It didn't work this season. With that said, Justin Fields has seven games in front of him to prove, and based on this Ian Rappaport piece, to prove to the Bears that they need to be blown away in this offseason before moving on from him. It starts today against the Lions.
2: And as you've pointed out many times, you got to add uh, Caleb Williams' fumbles into that equation too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, loose in the pocket. Eight he fumbles, he only, they didn't recover three of them. He, so. he
1: holds the ball down near his hip when yeah. he's trying to avoid... The, the rush, and that is, and you know this, Bears fans, when a quarterback on the professional level doesn't have the ball high and tight in a passing, uh, a, a prepping to pass situation, it gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. It is so easy to lose the football when you have it one-handed loose down by your hip. And then that's something that Caleb does on any play that he is trying to go back. Like, you know, yesterday, he had seven carries for minus 20 yards no. You know why? Because he was dancing backwards. Yeah, he was just trying to create something well, and keep
2: going backwards, listen. and and that's just how he plays. If you're if you want really want Caleb Williams, I will just describe to you a quarterback that like take Caleb Williams and Justin Fields out of it. I'm describing a quarterback that holds the ball too long, will run backwards before he tries to run forwards. Will try to you know wait. 15 seconds before he throws the football has fumble issues and throws costly interceptions. Which one am I describing? Same. Exactly. Same. They're the
1: same quarterback. And, and then, okay. Talk about durability. He's smaller than Justin Fields. We already are concerned about the durability of fields. Mm -hmm. And we've seen to this point in his career, and he's three inches shorter and he's, he's slightly built compared to Justin Fields. So, I mean, that it all factors in. And that's why the report this morning for me Ian Rappaport on NFL.com saying sources are saying that the Bears view this offseason the same as they viewed last season. Chicago needs to be blown away by a quarterback to select one in the 2024 draft. It's blocking and Abdallah. We are here on a Sunday getting you ready for Bears football. Bears and Lions coming up at noon. Uh,
0: Chicago Bears pregame. It's the Game Day Tailgate Show with Chicken Abdallah on the new home of the Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago.
1: Welcome, Abdallah, on a Sunday here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. We are taking you into coverage at 10 o'clock. Our network pregame show with Sylvie Lance and Dion. They will get you ready for the Bears and the Lions coming up at noon right here on ESPN 1000. When you look at these seven games, not only for Justin Fields, will this determine his future, how he performs over the next seven, Abdallah? But also, I think it will determine whether or not Matt Eberflus is back in the mix next season. I mean, I, I... I think he has to win games here to, to get back with the bears for next year. I don't think that you can win four games in your second season and seven total in two years and continue on as a head coach of an NFL team.
2: No, I don't. I mean, there's still a chance. I think these four games, next four games need to weigh more than the last seven, right? Like I need, I want them to look at these as like kind of weighted because If you lose these next four games against the Lions, Vikings, and Browns, you're losing to much better competition than the Falcons, the Cardinals, and the Packers, right? Like, if they go 0-4 and then 3-0 and they end the season with six wins, which would double their win total, I would hope that Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren would be like, those those aren't real. Like, their wins, congratulations, you won a football game, but you've beat horrible teams along the way. You beat the worst team in the NFL, you beat a team that had a fire sale after you beat them, you beat a team that fired their head coach and GM after you beat them, and then you beat three of the worst teams in the the other three worst teams in the NFL after that. Like the the Lions twice, the Vikings and the Browns are a different level of talent as far as their defense goes. I know that only one of those teams has their starting quarterback playing right now. Josh Jobs could be playing well next Monday night And they could, the Bears could still lose that game They lost that game when Kirk Cousins was playing So who's to say that they can't lose it again The, 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 the Bears lost to the Vikings With Kirk Cousins without Justin Jefferson I understand that They still lost that game So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose it again So I hope That it looks that way Because I don't think that the coaching staff Can go in and just say Well we, have, we doubled our win total from last year So bring us all back Like you have to use the eye test and go into the numbers and look at the teams that they beat. And hopefully they use that metric as opposed to just checking a box that says win more games and we'll bring you back.
1: Well, and and it's the opportunity is there, right? Like that's the thing is you, you listed off all the different things with these teams and the quarterbacks and some good defenses. You know, Detroit is a very good team. They're the only top five team left on the, on the schedule. Cleveland is a team fighting for the playoffs with a great defense, but now they have a backup quarterback who's starting today. Outside of that, Minnesota has been hot five in a row. They're, they're fighting for the playoffs at the moment. Like you theoretically, if you have uh, a, a good team, that's healthy like the bears are right now, Detroit is the only situation. You have two Detroit games that I, I would say I would lean heavy. It's Detroit and both with that said, That means there's five other games that if you are building a program and you're moving it forward and you're looking ahead at next year, there's an opportunity to add five wins here at the at the end of the season that would really give a lot of momentum to next season. And and then that would also lead us to believe that the quarterback's playing well. The defense continues to improve and everything's kind of moving in the right direction. And if that's the case, Iberflus is back. If they win five games here at the end, they finish eight wins. Oh, yeah. They fin- finish eight and nine. Yeah. And and they look good towards the end. And yeah. like you said, the look. final month of December, they have the Detroit game to start the month. But outside of that, if you can beat Cleveland, Arizona, Atlanta, and Green Bay to finish, that's a strong finish. And I get it. You can lay out the – you can have all offseason and the spring and the summer to tell me that there were bad quarterbacks that they beat. And those teams are trash teams. And look at the garbage – that we face at the end, but at least they were doing their part in beating of those course, bad teams. Because to this point, they've faced bad teams and they've lost games. And that's where I point to this idea that he's not going to be back if they continue to lose these games no. that they should win.
2: My problem is when you, like, let's say it does work out that way, right? Where they win, let's say they win four games, okay? Let's say they get to seven wins. Seven they, and ten to finish. Seven and ten to finish. They win one of these next four and they finish... 3-0 and to end the season because they're beating up on bad teams, right? Let's say that. And the Bears, they decide to draft a quarterback because they're winning with their defense. They're not winning with Justin Fields, right? Justin Fields just looks okay. There's not a big difference between when he, when Bajan was out there, when Fields is out there, but your defense looks solid, meaning Eberflus, a defensive-minded head coach, is doing his job. My problem is if you bring in another quarterback And you only have six or seven wins next year. That's not going to be good enough. And so you end up firing Matt Eberflus at the end of next year. And then you're bringing in another coaching staff with a quarterback who's already here. And we're doing this same song and dance again, where you're trying to find a coach who likes your quarterback. And obviously, look, there's only 32 of these jobs. A lot of people aren't going to say no to the job if you offer them a head coaching gig, regardless of who the quarterback is, okay? I would be better off that I don't care how many games they win to end the season, unless they go 6-1 and or 7-0, and that if they're bringing in a new quarterback, to just say, we're bringing in a new coaching staff. That's the way we're doing it. Because we want a clean slate for everyone. Ryan Poles we both believe, is not going anywhere. He's going to pick the, new, the next head coach with Kevin Warren. He's going to be in charge of drafting the next quarterback. Should they do that, I would be better off and happier as a Bears fan. If they just cut bait with Iberflus and brought in a whole new staff, you have their scouts and their eyes and they bring in their offensive coordinator and they're going to be an offensive minded head coach to scout the quarterbacks before you draft them. And that's the future of the bears as opposed to trying to marry a coach with a, a, a quarterback next year. If you end up firing Eberflus. now, best case scenario is still for the bears that fields goes out, plays well, you win a, a bunch of these games the defense looks good, so the team looks like they're turning around. You trade out of the first pick, and you get a bunch of picks after that, and then you can build this this roster moving forward. That's still the best case scenario. I just don't know if that's going to happen. John
1: Fox, in his uh, three seasons, he went fourteen and thirty-four. Mark Trussman, in his two seasons, went thirteen and nineteen. Matt Eberflus, heading into today, is six and twenty-one in two seasons. Mac and Willowbrook, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Mac?
3: Morning, fellas. Really enjoyed listening to you. And as far as drafting, I go way back uh, watching. I mean, I saw the Bears play in Wrigley Field. If I were in charge, I'm keeping the coaching staff. I'm keeping Justin Fields. I'm drafting Marvin Harrison, number one. And I'm going to pick a quarterback as a backup, in the later rounds, third or fourth. For example, Brady, going back to 1971, a Division Three quarterback out of Augustana, was drafted in the third round, and he became a Super Bowl quarterback. I, 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 they just can't keep changing socks here and uh, need some sort of stability. Drafting is a crapshoot. For example, in baseball, there are only two overall number one draft picks in the Hall of Fame. So equating that with football, hey, that's just where I'm at and interested to hear what you guys have to say.
1: Yeah, thanks for the call, Mac. Appreciate it. Yeah, you you don't know the answer, right? And, like, that's why uh, Abdallah and I are watching college football on Saturdays and we're looking at all the different options, and it's like, I don't know if Caleb Williams is necessarily, like, better than Justin Fields. Like, I feel like I see a lot of the same flaws in both quarterbacks, Now, when Caleb gets to the next level, maybe he processes the information faster in the pocket and doesn't hold on to the football as much. I don't know. I feel like he's having the same problem at SC that Fields is having with the Bears, where if his first option isn't there, he then wants to go into hero ball mode and just wants to keep the play alive long enough so he can do something spectacular, which works great on highlight clips that you see on social media, but when you're watching the games and the team is one in five, to end the season, and part of the reason they're bad is because of the quarterback play. I, I think that's a different story. Now I'm watching all these games because I'm a USC fan. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been watching Caleb and every play that uh, every snap that he takes because I'm a USC fan. I want to see them play. So like my, observations of him are a little different than someone that's only consuming the highlights. You know what I'm saying? Like cause his yeah. highlights are spectacular. Oh yeah. He does some incredible things on the football field. Listen, He's man. willing to put it up in places that other guys don't. It's great. But guess what? I saw a hell of a play last night on a fourth down call and late in the game against the Beavers from Michael Penix, and that dude made plays last night for Washington to stay undefeated, to be fifth in the country, and still be in the national title conversation. Penix has played like a championship-level quarterback this season. Caleb Williams has not. And I, I like that's where I go back to. Remember our, our evaluation of fields coming out of college as we pointed to his play in the college football playoff? And what he did in big spots, and say, look what Justin Fields did. Look what Trevor Lawrence is doing on his way
2: to titles. Caleb Williams hasn't played well enough in the regular season to even be in that conversation, dude. I've been fighting off Caleb Williams stands since last night. Like I'm on, I'm on the turret gun in Starship Troopers, trying to fight off those big bugs. Just doof, 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 doof. People coming after me because Pro Football Focus posted. Uh, Caleb Williams in a bear's jersey and said, where's he gonna play next?" And I said, no thanks. Like people just watch the highlights. like that's the point. People just see the highlights and they see the gaudy throws and they see that does we've seen here that that doesn't work. Like you can't hold on the ball to for 12 seconds and make something out of nothing. It doesn't work. Well, it's the highlights and it's the September talk.
1: Yeah. It's what it is. It it changed the perception of the entire thing. I get. It, he won the Heisman last year, but people were legitimately spending time suggesting that he's the next Patrick Mahomes. Just like people were saying that the Colorado Buffaloes are going to go to the national title. Mm-hmm. Do you remember all that trash talk and all the talk from Colorado in September? Oh, you guys doubted us. Look at us. Here we are. You know, we're though no one no one thought we could do anything. Yeah. They're terrible Oh yeah, well remember They're we we're terrible it's September
2: talk that it happens in college football every year. Well yeah, and it goes back to the Colorado stuff from the beginning of the year. remember we were talking yesterday off or a couple of days ago off the air about the storylines going into college football that were completely wrong Remember one of them was tied to Colorado too. It was that their two-way player, his name escapes me right now Hunter, would, Travis, Hun- Hunter. Travis Hunter was going to win the Heisman because yeah. he plays a thousand snaps a game. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like he, all right. He dude, was like, good
1: in the first month. Then exactly. He got hurt, but still. Like, but he came he, back. And, and I think that's where you know you look at the, all the different quarterbacks and the options that you have, and, and just starting over. I don't know, I don't know if that's a great way to go. But then you look at Matt Eberflus in two seasons. He has six wins right now. Like yeah, like we're talking in in this franchise's history. We're talking all time worst coach type situation here. If he doesn't win games to end the season and in fact he through two years he's not going to be able to catch trustman trustman's at 13 no. and 19 Mm-mm. he's not going to win the next seven games no i don't think so starting I mean, today it'd be cool if he did but... it, w- it would be cool <laughs> 312-332-3776 it's black and abdallah on a sunday the new home of the bears
0: it's, it's the game day tailgate show with black and abdallah on the new home of the chicago bears espx chicago
1: Doll on a Sunday, getting you ready for Bears and Lions coming up at noon. Kickoff with Joniak and Thayer. You're called the game right here on ESPN Chicago. Blockham Doll, coast to coast, or at least to the Rockies. We go to Isaac in Denver, listening on the ESPN Chicago app. What's up, Isaac?
4: Hey, good morning, guys. Love your show. Love hearing you guys in the morning. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited about the Bears, excited to see Fields back in action. And. You know, I completely agree with what you guys have been saying, especially you, Dalla. Um, I really hope that unless they are totally sold on one of the quarterbacks, and I'm a huge Oregon fan, so of course I love Bo Nix, but I also understand he's in a perfect situation right now. So unless they are like completely sold, I would be all for you know either keeping Fields or bringing in a veteran trading down, collecting more draft capital, maybe getting Marvin Harrison still in the first few picks, but then maybe drafting a quarterback later in the round. Uh, 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 oh, sorry about that. Uh, one question, though, I'm curious about is, let's say, like you were bringing up the hypotheticals, that the defense plays really well, so Iberfus keeps his job. Fields kind of. plays mediocre. The offense looks kind of blah. Do you think that that would... If they keep Eberflus, but they're going to get a new quarterback, are they going to get rid of Getze because they want to try and bring in some new offensive mind, or would they try and let Getze have another chance with the quarterback? But anyway, love you guys so. Bear down,
1: Let's go. Thanks, Isaac. Appreciate it. Bear down. I'd say no. If Eberflus is back,
2: Getze's back. Well, because the way for Eberflus to be back is that the offense looks good, so then you wouldn't get rid of Getze. Right. Like that's how that, well, that's how you get Isaac to laid that
1: out this scenario. The defense plays really well yeah. down the stretch, but the offense is sluggish. Therefore, Iberflus s- uh, yeah. is back. They've won enough games. Defense looks great, but the offense is questionable. Yeah. I think, I think fields is going to get the blame there. I don't think Getsy will get the heat. I think it will be, they'll, 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 you know, the report today for me and Rappaport, NFL.com saying that the bears are approaching this off season. Like they did last off season. Last offseason, they needed to be, quote, blown away by a quarterback to select one in the draft last year. Sources are telling Rappaport that that's the same view they have heading into this offseason. I would imagine if the defense is good and the offense looks like Mm so-so, then the quarterback is going to be not playing that great, and
2: therefore someone will blow them away that they will go with a different quarterback. And it could be, as Isaac said, I... Look, we talked to Tom Thayer on Bears Night in Chicago on Monday night, and his philosophy was go get the guy that's played a lot of football, like not these two-year starters, not these transfer guys, whatever it is. And I know he is a quote-unquote transfer guy, but there's one player that's currently in college football that's had the most starts as a quarterback, and his name is Bo Nix. And the more I see from him, the more I like him. I know he's got a, a great situation in Oregon, but the numbers as he put up, and he's also just started a ton. Like he's he's Bayon with proper seasoning, right? Like he's Bajin played. All I heard about Bajent when he was starting was he's going to be great because he's played a thousand games. He's played a th- he's seen everything. He's seen every coverage that that D two schools can offer you, right? He's played a ton of snaps. He's played more snaps than anybody that's ever lived that played the quarterback position. Anybody in the history of football. Well, that's Bo Nix, but Bo Nix actually does it against real competition. Like he does it against top teams. He does it against the best of the best in college football. Like He's been putting up crazy numbers against very good defenses this year in the Pac-12. Yeah, if you want to look at the top four guys who are
1: likely to be there for quarterbacks in next year's draft, uh, this is how it breaks down. Caleb Williams is 22 years old. His birthday was yesterday. Uh, Bo Nix is almost 24. Michael Penix is 23 and a half right now. And so by the time the draft comes around, he'll be 24. And then Drake May is 21. He just turned 21. Mm -hmm. So Drake May is the youngest. Caleb is 22. He just turned 22. And Bo Nix and Michael Penix are both 24, essentially, by the time they're in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, does that matter? I know when we talk about the NBA, that's a huge deal. Drafting a kid at 18 or 19 is a lot different than the potential of someone who's drafted at 22 or 23. As a quarterback goes, based on what Tom Thayer was saying... I don't necessarily disagree with Tom. I think Mm -hmm. a little seasoning on a quarterback, someone who has played a lot of snaps, I think it's valuable. I think we can point to the Bears' backup situation saying that the snaps that Tyson Bajent played, it was valuable. He stepped out there on the field. He didn't look overwhelmed. I'm not saying that he's some next great uh, product or anything, but the point being is the Bears did go two and two with a backup quarterback, and he looked like he the the stage wasn't too uh, big for him yeah you see what i'm saying like he it, it, it maybe there is something too a quarterback who is 23 24 25 years old getting his first opportunity opposed to a guy who's 20 21 type well, of thing
2: joe burrow's about to turn 27 yeah and burrow when he stepped onto the he field was 23 when he was drafted
1: isn't the um the fun uh thing to talk about with burrow is that burrow isn't he older than lamar jackson yes like, Joe Burrow has played less football in the NFL than Lamar, but Lamar Jackson is a younger person than Joe Burrow. Joe,
2: Yeah, Lamar Jackson is also 26, but he's, like, a month younger.
1: Right. So and
2: he'll turn 27, like, literally a month after Joe Burrow will turn 27.
1: Chase, on the south side, you're talking to Black and Abdallah on a Sunday. What's up, Chase?
0: Hey, good morning, fellas. How you guys doing? What's Chase, up? what'd
1: you do last night? You up late?
2: You sound tired. Were you watching F1? You sound tired.
0: Oh, yeah, I had a long night. <laughs> I didn't get a bed' bit like, 3 in the morning. So, um,
2: what are you doing yeah. calling us right now? Chase is out here shutting down bars. I love it. <laughs>
0: no, no, not like that. Just hustling, working hard, As all. Uh, all right, all uh, right. Yeah, but, uh, no, so, Black, like, I was just listening to what you were talking about, Caleb Williams, um, you know, and I agree with you about him. He's not a franchise type of player, and, um, I would say this. You know, who he reminds me of. He reminds me of Kyler Murray 2.0. I mean, everybody keeps on comparing to the Patrick Mahomes. I look at Kyler Murray. You know, you see how he is when things go wrong. You see, they there was rumors talking about how the team didn't really care for him. He's not a really good locker room guy, and you know, and I'm getting that same vibe with Caleb Ka- Williams. So I'm I'm okay not wasting a first round pick on him. Plus. As far as the coaching staff concerns, um, you know, it's like everybody's talking about I've been a component of that. I'm not a big, you know, Iberfuss fan. I think I, I was component. Of, I didn't like the fact that they hired me in the first place. But I will say this, though, the fact that the defense has shown improvement um, and the team doesn't seem like they're quitting on them. But I will say this, though. If they go out here and they play well these next few games and the team is continuously getting better, then I'm, o- I'm sort of okay with them bringing them back only if I see improvement consistently. Like, if the defense shows improvement, if the offense gets better, then I'm okay with them bringing this coaching staff back and if they're starting to win these games. But if they go get their doors blown off today, today, then the, the the heat is back on. I mean, it's just a fact. You can't go out here and get beat bad against your division rivals. That cannot happen. If they go out there and get beat really bad, then I'm I'm back on board about getting rid of this coach's staff. But you guys have a good day. It was nice talking to you.
1: Thanks, Chase. Appreciate it. And and to Chase's point, unfortunately, that has happened this season for the Bears. They faced an arch rival week one and got blown out. Yeah. So, you know, heading into this game, they're a big-time underdog, and we've seen a large sample size from Matt coach teams where they're a touchdown or more underdog, and they don't perform. So is it is this week going to be the magic of the mini-buy? Is it going to be Justin Fields doing something that maybe we don't expect him to do today to, to kind of pull out a, a win? Like Like, this is what the Bears are up against. I don't think many people are really... Looking at this as a, an opportunity for the Bears to win this game, I think it's. Let's hope that they keep it close as long as they can.
2: No, I, I mean, look, the odds aren't in their favor. Iberflus four and seven against the spread when favored, when an underdog by a touchdown or more. He's got one win against the Pats, where we started this mini buy. Oh, it's the mini buy, the legend yeah. of the mini buy. Yeah, but Jared Goff has covered eleven straight games against the NFC North. Just saying. Yeah, like <laughs> it's not. It's not in their favor. Like uh, going through the numbers, like. It's a it's, tough game. It's to, not in their favor, but it's, listen, it, they we, have to win. We want them to win. <laughs> I want them to win. I want them to win. I it's want them just, to win. I don't want to be drinking sad beers after the game. Those this the is the
1: saddest of beers. This is a tough situation for the Bears hanging into this game. That, that, that's what I'm worried about is that, you know, we, we can talk it up and we can say Fields is going to be back. The offensive line looks healthy. They're going to be back. But the Lions are one of the best teams in football. And in these spots, like, okay, who have the Bears played this season who we would consider to be one of the best teams in football? The answer would be Kansas City.
2: So that was a road
1: road game against a top team in football. And the Bears were a big-time underdog. The game was over by halftime. Mm -hmm. Over. Not even let's see what happens in the second half. The national broadcast went away. <laughs> they went to other action outside yeah. of the local markets. Yeah. Because the Bears are losing so
2: bad against Kansas City in and, that game. And remember, that was the first Taylor Swift game, so they didn't even stay to get more shots at Taylor Swift. Like that could have been there for them. They didn't. They chose not to. That was the storyline. It wasn't I know. it wasn't oh the Bears, they lost the game. Kansas City looks great. It was guess who's at the game? Because it was such a boring game. Right. Because they were getting destroyed. So, you know,
1: when you put all of this into context, like what would lead you to believe that this Bears team is actually going to show up today? That's what sucks. Hope. I mean, you know, what would be great, though, is like, could you imagine if Fields goes out, throws for four touchdowns, looks like a stud, and then we could say, okay, you know what? Maybe they don't have to worry about a quarterback in the draft. Maybe we can, uh, you know, set our sights on Marvin Harrison Jr., with a top like a top 3 pick. That would be and, great and start building this offense and boom. Now we're cooking with gas. Now we've got something because yesterday once again Marvin Harrison Jr looked like the best player in college football.
2: Well, here's what's what's interesting, right? Like if the offensive line plays really well the last 7 games of the season, then you're like, all right, well you're not taking a center first, right? No, like you're not gonna do that. If DJ Moore looks awesome, you're like, all right, well obviously DJ Moore's gonna be around for a while. If if uh, if Montez Sweat gets a couple sacks, you're like, all right, well d- we will draft a defensive end. But it's not like a position of like it's a position of need, but like we can get that maybe a little bit later. Like you could, you if, he,
1: could if he plays well, you get to play this is what we get to play next spring. We get to play the trade back shuffle. Yeah. And what happens is then polls can continue to collect assets and mm-hmm. picks. And and yeah, maybe the Bears are only picking 3rd. And then, you know, May and Williams come off the board and the Bears take Harrison and boom, we Bang. got a wide that's receiver. That's what I'm talking like, about. And now we also have like the the 12th pick too or something. You know what I mean? Like That's, that's what I'm talking about. That would be great, but uh it starts with uh Justin Fields actually playing good football. <laughs> uh and we hope to see that Today. It's Bleckenham Doll. It's a Sunday. We're getting you ready for Bears and Lions. E- ESPN Chicago. Chicago.
0: It's the Game Day Tailgate Show with Bleckenham Doll on the new home of the Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago.
1: get you ready for NFL football today, Week Eleven in the NFL. The Bears are on the road in Detroit to face off against the Lions. Bears are three and seven. The Lions are seven and two. Week 11 in the NFL, there's a lot of games that I, I think a lot of people are kind of they're just going to look at and be like, eh, it's not really that interesting unless you're a huge football fan. Obviously, the big game that everyone's going to be glued to will be Monday night football this week. How about this? Don't you love when a, a plan comes together, right? Like defending <laughs> Super Bowl champs take on the team that they played in the Super Bowl. You put it on Monday night and both teams show up with records worthy of yeah. it being a huge game. Oh, yeah. Eagles 8-1 and one Chiefs 7-2 from Arrowhead in Kansas City. Monday Night Football. That's going to be a great game.
2: It's going to be awesome. They're both uh, top three teams in uh, our 5-up, five 5-down five this week. I think that like it, it's they've both been playing well, but they haven't been playing the way I think most people thought they'd be playing. Right? Like With the Chiefs, their defense has been playing a lot better than their offense. And with the Eagles, their offense... Has outplayed their defense because they lost so much on that side of the ball last year. After uh, you know contracts and that kind of stuff happens, but like the defense for for these teams is kind of flipped. Like the Chiefs, Mahomes is, is playing well, but it's that defense that is carrying them through games.
1: Absolutely, we'll continue to preview Week 11 and the Bears game today. Bears and Lions uh, watch a lot of college football yesterday. How about Michigan? pulling out a tough game on the road against Maryland. They went 31 to 24. Jordan Travis quarterback from Florida state. He injured lower leg was carted off the field early. Florida state was down 13, nothing to start in the first quarter. And then they bounce back. They roll 58 to 13, but now they'll be without their starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Washington with a really good win over Oregon State, 22-20. to That was a fun game. A lot of really good college football last night. The, the night slate, the, the 6 o'clock starts, Good. all of those games came down to the final minutes. They, yeah. It was a great night of football last night.
2: Yeah, it was obviously. We talked about the quarterback performances a little bit earlier, too. But that game, Washington and Oregon State, to me, first of all, it just looked miserable. Like... It just looked like two teams that Loved just did it. not want to be there. Like, I like I, that. No, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in it. Yeah, I'm like, glad I'm not like sitting there, but, it, but I like watching it on TV. But like, it's sleeting, and like, it, know, guys, it's, are, it just looks cold th- and gross. That's where, and, you know,
1: if we get into the combo of are you a college fan or an NFL fan, the one thing that you still get in college football is a little flavor. Yeah, you know a little regional flavor and, and I think that's where every NFL game looks the same for the most part a lot of the new stadiums that are built have the fake grass and it all looks like sterile mm-hmm. where yeah you're right out there in Corvallis in the rain, those fans were were ready to to saw some lumber. They were wearing the hard hats. Like <laughs> it's, it was a fun game to watch. A little like it was it was good to watch. I lo- I love that about college football. Yeah. That no matter where the game is, there's a different flavor to to everything you consume.
2: Well, also the stars that we've been watching all season shining like that. That Michael Penix throw on fourth down to seal the game. Like, that was, that was a big-boy NFL throw. Like, that dude makes all the plays when he needs to. He plays insanely well down the stretch when they need him to in tight games. He played great against Oregon, which was a field goal game earlier this year. Like, they, like he is, if it wasn't for the injury concern, he would probably be right now the top prospect. Because I think a lot of people, you're going to see it. It started a little bit last week. That a lot of the analysts now are saying, I don't know about this Caleb Williams guy. And so, if you see those NFL style throws, like at week in and week out, that's what gets you shooting up the draft board. Cause he wasn't, he's like, what? A, 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 he's gonna be the cusp guy. He's gonna be this guy that's like, maybe someone goes back into the first round to get him definitely a day two pick but like he could be a day one pick he'll be in the green room he'll be the like, cameras will be on him oh another team passed on a quarterback on oh, another team back, and then someone might trade up for him at the end of the first round
1: did you watch the Wisconsin Nebraska game yeah, went to overtime yeah that, that was good yeah. and then also did you uh did you bet the under on Iowa because it went under again
2: I did not bet the under on <laughs> Iowa this week I, I Iowa
1: didn't beats do Illinois it Illinois 15 to 13 I was nine and two and Iowa will be in the Big Ten championship game they will face whoever wins between ohio state and michigan
2: yeah and hopefully give them a horrible time (laughs) like their defense i hope it's just like we're giving you a
1: horrible Man, there were so many good games oklahoma byu was a fun watch Uh, louisville and miami was a a decent game that went to the end. texas iowa state i was watching some of that game like almost every single game that i had on tv at some point was a decent game yesterday which is funny because in college football like usually it's the hype like the hype wasn't really there yesterday for the matchups and the games delivered. That's why college football is great. Blocking Abdallah here on a Sunday, getting you ready for the Bears and the Lions. Hopefully today uh, we hear a lot of this in our homes. When the Bears score, we play a little Bear Down, Chicago Bears. It's the best fight song in all of football, Abdallah. That's right. After a touchdown, you get up and cheer. I don't know if I necessarily stand for the field goals, but
2: still no. bear down time. Mm-hmm. We don't sing for field goals unless it's the, uh, the final field goal that wins the game.
1: Uh, we like to look at the history around the National Football League here on the show. And uh, we have this great classic song, Bear Down Chicago Bears, for our home team. And now the Bears will face off against the Detroit Lions today. Abdallah, did you know the Detroit Lions have a song that dates back to the 1930s? Lions director of entertainment. They had a director of entertainment in the the 30s. Can I get that job? His name was Graham T. Overgard. Graham T. Overgard. Okay. He came up with this song. It's called Gridiron Heroes. This is Joe Schmidt of the Detroit Lions. Wait, what's his name? Hold on, hold on. What's his name? I don't know what he says there. It sounds like this is Joe Schmidt of the Detroit Lions. That's what
2: it sounds like. This is Joe Schmidt of the Detroit Lions. Joe Schmidt. This is Joe Schmidt of the Detroit. Joe Schmitt. This is Joe Schmidt of the Detroit Lions. Our fight song, Lions Gridiron Hero. It's
3: This
2: gets the crowd. Yes, so. What year is this? It uh, dates back to the 1930s. Oh, yeah. Nothing fires up a, a, fire up a lucky to this. Yeah. Well, you get the brass section yeah. working. Your last has made you a sandwich. All right, Lions. I'm sitting down. I'm getting ready to watch a football game. Now, it's not my style. I would
1: prefer Bear Down Chicago Bears, but at least the Lions are bringing something to the table. Like yeah. Some of these teams with these newfangled songs, like no one wants that. You want big band. That's, yeah. that's a fight
2: song alright, there you go. You got horns, you got the whole thing going. So apparently, that is Joe Schmidt. 91-year-old Joe Schmidt. He wasn't 91 there. He had 24 interceptions for the Lions. He was their head coach, too, from 1967 to 1972. Still with us. Good for him. Still with us? How about that? Now he my played loo- for the Lions for 13 years. He played linebacker.
1: Now my loose internet research tells me that the Lions have now had a uh, someone in the stadium sings to this, who's like, okay, a younger person, okay, to kind of liven it up. But there you go, Lions, gridiron heroes. All right. Okay, of all the songs that we've featured here on the show, this isn't too bad. It's not
2: the best. The Chargers one is still the best. Yeah, that's an all-time classic. Uh, But this one's okay. Thank you, Joe (laughs) Schmerz.
3: Appreciate
2: your time and your friendship.
1: Well, we want Bear down Chicago, guys. That's what we want. This is a big band. It's Blocking Abdallah. We'll be back in two minutes.
2: ESPN
0: Chicago. Chicago.